This is Mission Work Optional, sponsored by True Wealth and Company. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to secure your family's investment legacy, create a work optional lifestyle, accomplish all items on your bucket list, and ensure your money outlives you. This podcast will self-destruct in 30 minutes. And now, here's this week's mission with your host, Brian Sarf of True Wealth and Company. Welcome to Mission Work Optional. I'm Brian Sarf, and with me this week is Brian Paulson. We are here every Tuesday at 5 a.m., and we hope you are too. You can find the Mission Work Optional podcast on iTunes, anchor.fm, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Good to be back, Brian, after a little spring break time. Absolutely. Did you have a good time? I did. Really enjoyed going down to Dallas to see my brother-in-law. Had a blast with the kids, and Friday they were, they were sore and tired. They'd had a week of fun, and we call it they had funitis. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had needed a couple of days to recover when they got home from all the uh, great times we had down there. We went axe throwing, did an yep. escape room. We went down to Joanna Gaines, the spring at the silos event they had in Waco, yeah, Texas. I, I remember. I told you how jealous Amy was going to be. I'm sure she could have had my spot. You know, <laughs> It was funny down there because where you had the big silos set up in Waco, if you've seen it, if you watch their show, and they have two big silos that are on the right-hand side, and on the left is their market. Mm-hmm. But behind the silos and behind the market, they had these two roads, and on those roads were about 80 vendors on each one. And they were little bitty nice. tents where everybody had all their wares they were showing for you know moms and grandmas, and there's a lot of stuff for babies down there, whatever. Maybe two booths for guys. And what was really funny was you had 40 tents on the right side of the street and 40 tents on the left. And in the middle were all the guys standing shoulder to shoulder waiting for their wives to <laughs> pollinate all the tents. <laughs> there was just nothing there for the guys just weren't shopping. We were all just laughing at each other going. They just need a bunch of comfy chairs. Yeah, I was, just, I was there just to carry stuff, you know, and, and, and wait in line to get their baked goods for their pastries and all that, which were quite phenomenal. Being married with three daughters, that's probably good. You just sit there and wait to hold stuff. I have learned my lesson well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great time. How about you? You went on a great, uh, great excursion. Yeah, we had a great time, kind of similar setup where uh, the boys were ready to be back by Friday. They wanted their downtime to, to relax and play some video games. Yes. Uh, two boys, you're not going to get away from playing a little PS4. No, you're not. But we went on a Route 66 trip, took it, took the Jeep out and drove out to Albuquerque and hit a lot of spots along the way and then got all the way out to the Grand Canyon and looked around. Antelope Canyon, it's on the Navajo tribe's land. If you get out there, you got to see those two. Just amazing. The pictures are phenomenal that we got off of the Antelope Canyon. But you never hear about that one. You always hear about the Grand Canyon. But sure. I would say it was more impressive. But I, I was time. jealous of your uh, Breaking Bad tour. Oh, I know it. <laughs> we love that show. And, uh, and so we got to go see. It's interesting how, how much New Mexico is tied into Hollywood and to the studio space. And lo and behold, they explained why. The city was smart enough to say, hey, this is something that we can generate money on. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a tax break in place that if you populate more than 60% of the staff for the filming of a TV or movie, we will give you back 30% of the taxes you pay. So if you pay $10 million, you're getting $3 mil back. What studio is not going to love that? Yeah, that's fantastic. So great tour, great time. And I'm glad that we came back here and now it's spring. Yes. got to like this weather. I love spring and Spring is so important. It's such a good time of the year. My wife woke up this morning and she goes, I made it. She goes, I'm so excited. I go, what do you mean you made it? She goes, it's spring today. Winter yeah. is over. Absolutely. Winter is finished, you know, and uh, I think we talk about winter and spring with the stock markets. 
It doesn't follow the seasons. Ding, 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 if you didn't know that. that the <laughs> stock market follows its own rhythm and pattern. But the stock market does have a seasonality to it. The stock market has a winter, it has a spring, it has a summer, and it has a fall. And what's really important is that when you go through the seasons of life or the seasons of investing, I love the, there's a little parable from Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. I adopted Jim Rohn as my grandfather I never had. Both of my grandfathers passed away when I was a little guy. And so I never really had a grandpa growing up. So I adopted Jim Rohn and in college, I've listened to him ever since. And he's just phenomenal wisdom. And he says, you know, you have to think like the ant in all the seasons because the ant in spring is thinking summer. In summer, he's thinking fall, and fall, he's thinking that winter's coming. You don't get sidetracked that when the harvest is really good, that you don't double down on the harvest because you know you got a plan for winter, and you got to think ahead for that, and you just can't blindly go through the seasons and get tied up too much. And I find so much in investing that good markets teach only bad lessons a lot of times. It's all about behavior, right? It is so ant, much You're an ant. Do it. It is so much about behavior. We know how terrible bear markets can be in winter. We saw the slight movement the end of last year scared the dickens out of some people because they hadn't seen volatility in a while. And I can tell you that it was normal. It didn't feel normal. It felt abnormal. Hadn't even gotten quite too normal. It was a little less than normal volatility. But because we hadn't had any volatility forever, it felt like a ridiculously difficult winter in the markets this year whenever we had our pullback, but it wasn't that bad of a winter in stock market lore if you look back on it. But it sure felt that way to a lot of people out there, and the media sure doubled down on it. But now, the market has rebounded. It's coming back. It's screaming to reality. And all those days of the market going to hell in a handbasket in December are gone. And now we're looking at how wonderful and joyous and how great the upside is in the stock market. And the media has completely changed their tune. Man, I don't know what news you're watching. They're just looking for the next apocalypse du jour. <laughs> oh, what can I right. talk about now? They, yeah, because they, they never talk about good news, do no, they? No, that's right. It's Unemployment's always bad. 3%. That's yeah. terrible. Unemployment's 10%. That's terrible. Pick it. Which one's bad? It's always bad. And it's always bad. It leads into a great story when I think about... All of us have heard about the story of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. And we've heard that God gave Adam and Eve free reign over the earth to live and to live a beautiful, wonderful life. And that they just had to know that there was good and evil out there. And they had perfect innocence in the beginning. But, you know, we all remember the story that God said, you just can't bite the apple in the Garden of Eden. You have to leave it alone. But they were lured by the serpent. And lo and behold, what do they do? They eat the apple. And everything bad about earthly life comes upon them, and they begin to experience and realize they're naked. They begin to realize hate, and they begins all the bad parts of our human personality that comes along with that. And I look at successful investing as very much like that paradise, that when you're investing the right way, when you're well diversified, when you have a great asset allocation in your portfolio, you're living in that paradise. But you always have that media chirping in your ear when the markets are really good. And the markets are running well. The media is saying, you should really look at this company as well. You should look at this. You should look at this. Your neighbor's doing better than you. And what happens is that when you see equity prices rise year after year and you hear your neighbors talking about it, you hear all the folks on television telling you all the good things you can do, you begin to believe that you can outperform and that you can beat this market and you can see where it's going. You can anticipate where it's going to be at and you bite into that apple of outperformance. And what's ironic is last June, what better way to tie it into this story? 
last June, everybody was getting consolidated into seven stocks, whether you knew it or not. Because if you were buying into mutual funds, you were getting consolidated heavily into the FANG stocks, FANG, snake, kind of ironic, Apple being one of them. And everybody decided they're going to rush into this stuff that in order to outperform, I've got to get into these stocks. Well, that is that was a perfect example of terrible behavior because number one, you're looking at seven stocks. Number two, they're all in the same sector, all in the technology sector. And what happened this fall? October just imploded. October to December. If you look at those there five stocks, yeah. those five stocks or seven stocks actually went into a bear. And oil fell by 35% in a month. Yep. Ridiculous. And so what we find is that when we take the focus of our portfolio away from a long-term portfolio that's goal-based of saying, okay, I have to figure this out for 30 years and run with it, and we begin to make it market-based, that we have to look at outperformance and we have to win and we have to beat all the time, and you shift from that piece away from that, what you're doing is is that you're taking a 30-year plan and you're trying to base it on a 48-hour news cycle of what's hot today when you think you can see everything that's going on inside of there. And what I find is that human behavior is there. It's always there in the marketplace. That's the absolute role that we serve as advisors is to be that buffer between our clients and the clients and their money in the markets. And that we're the buffer in between. So when they get freaked out, whether they're really you know euphoric in a top or they're really depressed in a bottom or fearful, that we can be there. That's what they pay us for is to see at those, those times when the opportunity is and what we need to do about it and keep in mind that long-range plan versus the short-range emotional feelings of whatever's going on in the market. Absolutely. It's, it's that job of keeping you on point to the plan that we've set in place to meet your goals rather than allowing the media to chirp in your ear and say, are you getting the same performance as your neighbor? Could you do better? Yeah. Who cares? If, it's, if your plan is meeting your goals, that's the objective. Stick with it. Well, in, in pop culture and investing, it's completely infected with the idea that not only can you outperform, but that outperformance is the only way to achieve your financial goals. That if you don't beat the stock market and you don't outperform, then you can't meet your goals. And I can tell you after this is my 17th year in this business, that's absolutely not true. You do not have to beat the S&P to achieve your goals. The S&P was at 600 when my dad was born in 1944. We're pushing 28,000 on the Dow. That's incredible. And you know what that is? It's a 7.5% compounded rate of return. Mm -hmm. And most everybody I talk to, if I ask them, what rate of return would you like to see out of stocks? Now, today, they'd say, you know, I'd like to see 6 to 8. But historically, in my 17 years, it's been I need 8 to 12. And the market's returned 7.5 consistently over that time frame. Sometimes it returns 10, 10.5, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. But that 7.5 would achieve so much for so many people. And it's it just the, a matter of staying diversified and staying allocated. And it's a discipline that we have in our process for investing. And you know, right now we have about 25% of our money is exposed to stock markets. We've got 15 to 20% in commodities. We've got 10% in private real estate. We've got 10% in private equity. We've got about 10% in mortgage-backed securities and some bonds. We have a couple of individual stocks in there. And we have some cash as well sitting on the sidelines. But we've tried to keep it really well diversified for our clients. And we even look at it from a tax allocation perspective of looking at life insurance as well as another asset class because 
once your money's in there and it grows, it's non-taxable. So we remove the effects of taxation on it. And we can really diversify a client's wealth pretty well. So if the markets take a hit or commodities take a hit or anything else does, it's not the entire portfolio chasing one idea, trying to run after it, that we're trying to stay disciplined and diversified um, so that we're not just chasing one great idea. Well, and by getting diversification, you also get risk-adjusted return, which means you can get market-level return by taking less risk than the market. And that is really what you want to target. How many people would rather be able to achieve that seven, seven and a half percent that you were talking about with the example of the S&P and your dad's lifetime? Would you rather achieve that by staying in a guard bands of positive 20 to negative 10? Or would you like to swing the entire up and down of the stock market? And by the way, if you can put those guard bands on, if you look at running numbers, build an Excel spreadsheet and put in your portfolio value and use the returns of the stock market and the extreme highs and lows, and then build in a scenario where you're neutering the highs and lows by 25%. The end result is a better result. You have more money. And that's only looking at it from a standpoint of risk. You hit on another huge topic, and that is, and most people don't start thinking about this till they get close to retirement, is taxation. Because up until you're 70 and a half, Uncle Sam's let you put most of your money away tax deferred. Then all of a sudden you start thinking, now, wait a second, how much am I going to pay in taxes on the back end of this thing? That's massive. It is. And, and as we talk about this effect that spring follows winter, as we're welcoming spring in, you just have to remember that long-term focus because as an advisor, I think our value proposition is that by building a portfolio for our clients, that's based on the money they have today, the money they're going to save and the money that they need to spend over their lifetime. We look at it by outcomes when we look at our, how our, our systematic investment process that we follow, that we need to position their investments and asset classes that have long-term returns that fit that client's plan. And we're looking to deliver an outcome, not to deliver this alpha of trying to always outperform the S&P all the time. And what I'm saying is that I'm not suggesting that your investments are going to produce consistently greater returns than your neighbor's investments. Your neighbors are going to beat you from time to time. That's just the way it is. But I do maintain that if we work on a long-term plan and we avoid the great behavioral mistakes, there's eight of them. In one of our podcasts, I'm going to walk through all eight of them. If you can avoid the great behavioral mistakes, you will achieve a significantly greater lifetime return than the majority of your neighbors because you stayed disciplined to a long-term plan and you didn't hop in and out of the market or try and chase too much with your money of what's going on. And seeing that those two things are different, that it's outcomes, not alpha, seeing that those are different and why is the key to understanding the value of what we do. And it's the beginning of wisdom for our clients in how we invest and how we look at positioning their money for that long-term plan, your serious money for that long-term plan. Yep. And you just said alpha. Alpha is outperformance of the market. And if you're always trying to achieve that, mm-hmm. alpha is wonderful. It comes and goes. Sure. With a long-term plan, you're going to have years where you produce significant alpha, and you're going to have years where you don't. But it's staying disciplined to a long-term plan that's so important that if your long-term goals haven't changed, I don't care what the market does. You have to stay disciplined to what you're going over the long haul. And it, it, it generates the returns. I've watched it. I've seen it. I sit with clients all the time that have stayed consistent to a plan for 17 years. 
and to see what they're achieving and retiring. And that is, it's really exciting to know that it works, to know that the ability is there. And we just have to ignore the siren song of the media that's trying and, to, and to move you. Neighbor, and your, your neighbor, buddy, whoever else. Yeah. And I mean, they're just sitting there. They're snaking through the tree in the Garden of Eden saying, bite the apple of our performance. I'm here for you. I promise you, you can do better. Yeah. You could do it on your own. Put it all in tech. Put it all in whatever the hot thing of the day is. And you too will rue the day. We all have friends or neighbors or whoever that we talk to. And we and they're, they're the ones that are number dropping. They're telling us what they're doing and how much they're outperforming the stock market. Pay attention to your friends that you know do that, and you give me a holler when when that person tells you when he's underperforming. It doesn't never happen. happen. <laughs> just like a just like a gambler, you hear never. about all the winnings, you Absolutely. never hear the losers. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, they, this... they're going through the same ups and downs as everybody else. All right, any closing thoughts, Mr. Paulson? That was it. That's his closing. My brain's thought. empty. Bing bang bong, he's out. All right, thanks for listening to Mission Work Optional from True Wealth and Company. I'm your host, Brian Sarf. With me every week is Brian Paulson. We'll be back Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. Be sure to spread the word to your friends and family and don't keep us a secret. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect with us on LinkedIn, and don't ever forget invest wisely, save early, so you too can make work optional. You've been listening to Mission Work Optional with True Wealth and Company. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com or call us at 913-653-TRUE. That's 913-653-8783. All matters discussed during this program are for informational purposes only. This podcast in no way shall be construed as a solicitation to sell securities or advisory services to residents in any other state than Kansas or where otherwise permitted. Topics should be discussed with your individual advisor prior to implementation. Advisory and insurance services offered through True Wealth & Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas.